Friends, this is God's word to you this morning, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we shall also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And when we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. And we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. This is the word of God spoken to you today. You may be seated. And um, I just want to introduce my, my good friend, Noah, Dr. Noah Manika, this morning. Um, and I'm going to have him come up, and I just want to say a quick prayer for him. Um, but, you know... There's, we all need people in our Christian journey who are ahead of us, um, who we, we look up to, um, because they've run a good race ahead of us. And this is one of those guys for me. Um, Noah is, you know, there's so much I could tell you about him, but what you need to know this morning is, um, man, he is faithful, um, faithful to his bride, Phyllis, faithful to his Lord Jesus, faithful to his adult children, faithful to his calling, and um, his, the things that he's done for the kingdom are too numerous to name, but um, they've happened in more than one continent <laughs> in the world, continue to happen in one, more than one continent in the world. He's originally from Zimbabwe, continues to do really good holistic work there, has been ministering in Charlotte for over 25 years as well. And um, so it's just a thrill when I get to introduce a friend um, to you guys today. So it's a thrill to have you here with us, Noah. I'm just going to pray over you before you speak God's word. Lord, um, we just thank you for Noah. We thank you for Phyllis. Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness um, to you. But Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to them. And we thank you, Lord, for their friendship. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you've you've gifted uh, Noah and, and for the ways that you use him. And so, Lord, we thank you for your generosity to give him to us today. And I, I pray over him today that you would speak through him to your people this morning. That, Lord, your spirit would, would be um, powerful yes. to work through him. Um, Lord, that, uh, that he would feel your peace this morning and your favor and your pleasure with him. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Gabe. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, 
It's an honor to be here this morning. And uh, Gabe wouldn't be my friend if I didn't begin by messing with him a little bit. <laughs> so I think some of you uh, who are looking at me right now, uh, you can't see the mic, can you? Because it's kind of like the tone of my skin. And uh, that actually speaks to sometimes just how far we have diminished ourselves because we're sensitive about some things. But I don't want you to think that I insisted before I accepted this invitation that, Gabe, I'm not coming to preach unless the microphone. You understand what I'm saying, right? Uh, and also, since I am from Zimbabwe, as Gabe said, um, so I'm a different person. So if you invite a Zimbabwean chef to your house, you expect to eat a Zimbabwean meal, right? So, so maybe this message is going to be a little bit different. Is that OK? Uh, that was not very convincing. Is, is that OK? OK. Uh, I've known Gabe and Jane and Chris for a very long time. I, in fact, I was witness to the beginnings of this work. Uh, we did uh, a lot of stuff together uh, many, many years ago. And it's just uh, great to see what the Lord has done. Amen. The Lord has done great things. And when I say the Lord has done great things, the proof of that is you uh, who is sitting uh, in this room today. Uh, let me, again, as a Zimbabwean chef, uh, very different. I'm going to begin with an introduction to an introduction. Is that OK? All right, every time I ask, is that okay? If uh, the response is a little lukewarm, I'll ask it again. Is that okay? Yes. All right, that's better. Is that okay? Yes. So I'm actually going to begin with some bonus scriptures which are not even up there. Uh, and these were inspired by just when we were in there and we had uh, prayer before uh, we came out. This thing just started burning inside of me, and I thought, well, let me give them some bonus scriptures. Colossians 2.10. Uh, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And I just thought, even as I was reading this scripture earlier on, how uh, when you go and buy a car, the moment you drive out of the lot, it starts going down in value. And I just start, started thinking about how we as Christians as well, the moment we are born, this process of socialization that diminishes, diminishes us begins. If we only remained the way we were when we were born, that would be awesome. We'd be able to fight against some of these things that come against us. And then the second bonus scripture for you this morning is Romans 1 20 and it says in Romans 1 20 for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse so uh, challenge number one is a challenge of completeness uh, there's this diminishing that happens then uh, challenge number two, uh, once we're born, uh, instead of being able to see some of the things that prove that God is who he says he is and he's faithful to us and he can actually give us a victory, um, 
you know, we don't quite see them because of the process of socialization. And, and because we don't see them, we have all these excuses. But the truth of the matter is, even as Gabe has been teaching us the past few weeks uh, from the Book of Romans, all that attempt by Paul and other people to kind of thread the needle is so that we would be without excuse. You cannot blame the law. You can't. You, you can't blame God because of what he says in 2 Peter 1.3, which is your last bonus scripture before we begin. Here's what it says. This is what, he's, what God has provided for us. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And in the church world, we usually just talk about the things that pertain to godliness, and we forget that uh, the power of God has given us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness, so that we can actually really go against some of the stuff that comes against us complete, fully armed. All right, that was the introduction to the introduction. I can go now, right? Is that okay? Is that really okay? Are you ready to hear the rest of the word of God? All right, so Gabe has been reminding us we can't let our small stories keep us from being part of the bigger story, right? He's been saying that over and over again, so... Let me begin with this thought. There is a bigger and even better story outside our caged existence and outside the parallel tunnels that we choose to travel our lives in. And um, that is something that has become more and more concerning for me, even as we were doing ministry here in Charlotte, in the inner city, and you just see... Uh, we are in a hyper-gentrifying uh, city, as you know. Things change every day, and uh, you see some people being left behind and some people coming in from other places because of the opportunities that Charlotte presents. Um, and uh, unfortunately, some are not able to catch up with what's going on because we remain locked up in our small stories. We, we, we can't think outside the box of our socialization. But it's important that we understand that there is an even bigger and even better story outside our caged existence. But unfortunately, there's this thing called pride. And human pride, it fools us into thinking we are our best and complete selves within the caged existence that merely expresses the angst of our generational cohort or our social group, you know, um, as long as we are expressing our angst as millennials, we think, yeah, man, this is us being us. Uh, our angst as black people, as white, oh, did I say black people? Did I say As white people, should I say that? Uh, is that okay? Yeah. All right. I, I have to check. These days you have to check. There's this thing called X and Instagram and being canceled and stuff like that, which is keeping people from hearing things that they really need to hear so that they can be equipped for life. 
Amen. Amen. We need to be equipped for life because it's a war out there. It's a battle. There's so many forces coming against us. So I want you to see the example of the prodigal son. Uh, when he came to his father and demanded what he said belonged to him, in Luke 15, verse 12, you know, he, he actually thought he was expressing his best and authentic and complete self. Yeah, now I'm a man. I've worked here and slaved, and you are unfair, you, my father. You know, there are some things that belong to me, and I need them. And the father said, okay, you can have that. But look at what it says in verse 17. After he goes out there and confronts life uh, and realizes it's merciless out there, unless you go out there complete, unless you go out there and you really understand what God intended for you, you are in trouble. So here's what verse 17 says, and it paints a completely different picture now. Because he thought he was him doing him. Then it says, but when he came to himself, huh? If he came to himself, who was he when he made that demand to his father? If now he is coming to himself, who was he? Here's what I want to suggest today. So here's what he said. Let me read the rest of it. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He only said this after he came to himself, implying that before he was not himself. I want to suggest to you that the voice that spoke before, that was the voice of his socialized and diminished self. Amen. 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 The voice of his socialized and diminished self. But he was saying that confident that, hey, this is me doing me. How many times have you heard that from uh, people? That this is me. I'm, I'm just doing me. Are you sure you're doing you? Or you are doing, you're expressing the angst of your generational cohort or your social cohort? Is, is that really you? Or that's less than you speaking and doing it with pride. So we can fool ourselves into thinking we're free or that you are you doing you when you are simply part of the herd, part of the rebellious generation. I want to suggest to you today that we cannot become our best and complete selves in our diminished state of socialization. That diminished state of socialization which we think defines our essence. And I can share a number of those diminished states of socialization. My blackness. My whiteness. Oh, I was going to demonstrate that, but <laughs> I, I thought it would be inappropriate. <laughs> Have you ever been with a group of friends, and there's some music playing, 
and uh, there are some people dancing to the beat, and there's somebody singing to the beat, but kind of dancing off the beat, and you're like, what's up with that? Usually they don't look like me. <laughs> so we cannot become our best and complete selves in our diminished state of socialization. You know, that state that we think defines our essence. Uh, we cannot be our best selves when we cannot defy what is called the generational cohort theory, for instance. And this theory suggests that we are simply products of our socialization. Uh, in fact, if you want to know exactly what Dr. Simon Moss says about that, he says the, uh, so the generational core theory is the concept that a generation of individuals that share the same political, economic, and social events during the early stages of life will develop a similar set of beliefs, values, and behaviors. So we're merely, merely products of our socialization. We experience the same thing, so we develop the same set of beliefs, values, and behaviors. If we can't defy that, if we can only be what the world diminishes us to be, we are in trouble. Because Satan is not afraid of that. He's not. He's not afraid of your whiteness. He's not afraid of your blackness. He's not afraid of your millennialness. He's not. And we have to understand that. And we have to understand that this socialization creates these social territories which we sent mark, you know, like those animals in uh, National Geographic. We, we sent mark uh, our territory so we can keep uh, some people out. But what we simply do is we contain ourselves. And some of the things that God has given that pertain to life and godliness cannot be found within these groups right here. So this is really why we have, uh, you know, Gabe talking to us about the freedom of God, God's grace from the book of Romans. Uh, because this freedom of God's grace is to free you so that you can access everything that God has for you that pertains to life and godliness. And there's an ongoing argument, a permanent argument between what God wants for us and what the world has actually reduced us to be. But there's some people, even people who don't acknowledge God, who actually defy some of these things. So you have somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is? Oh, okay. He's black probably can't dance or sing a lick, but is one of the world's top astrophysicists, okay? Because to him, hey, there is more to life than simply being black. You, you can laugh. Dr. Ben Carson. Well, thankfully, Dr. Ben Carson acknowledges God, but the man has zero black swag, zero. Have you ever heard Dr. Ben Carson talk? Have you seen him walk? But he's one of the world's top neurosurgeons, right? A 19th century woman, Maria Salomea Sklodowska Curie, or some of you know her as Mary Curie. The 19th century woman 
who discovered radium and polonium. And her discoveries have led to serious treatments for cancer. Didn't care that she was a woman. In the 19th century, she did what God had created her to do. Larry Bird forgot that white men can't jump. <laughs> Spud Webb. Some of you know Spud Webb. Five feet six inches. And in 1986, won what? Slam dunk contest. Incredible. Maxi Boggs. Five foot three. He was the floor general in a game played by giants of biblical proportions. Ah, then there's Marshall Bruce Mathers, the third, also known as Slim Shady. Don't pretend like you don't know who he is. <laughs> Eminem, forgot that white men are not supposed to rap. And they sold over 500 million records worldwide. All of these people refuse to be contained. But you know, sometimes people go to extreme lengths to just kind of like, you know, show just how special they are in their containers. We had some interesting people who used to come to our church, uh, and, you know, uh, they used to tell me all the time that, uh, and, and t tell me if they were right or wrong. They said, you know, white people don't like loud music. And they, they used to say, you know, in, in, in public places, uh, white people don't like engaging. They would rather, rather listen. So anyway, one of them then invited me to a Bruce Springsteen concert. <laughs> and I went there. I was in a distinct minority. Uh, it was a few of the people who looked like me. And, and obviously, the guy who used to play saxophone for, for Bruce Springsteen, famous guy, and so on. And I watched. For two hours... These people didn't sit down, right? The music was so loud. And I mean, they would look at Bruce, whatever Bruce did, Bruce did, born in the USA, and these guys would be like, am I seeing right? Right? After the concert, my ears were ringing for like 45 minutes because of the loudness of the music. So why do I tell you this story? I, I don't know why, we kind of uh, want to uh, kind of like keep ourselves from having fun, even in church. If you feel like saying amen, say amen. Instead of looking at the person next to you and saying, well, you know, they might think I've become uh, the other race. If there's a word that has been spoken that strikes you know, that part of your soul that has been needing a word that transforms your life, Acknowledge it. Amen. 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 So when are we our best selves? Okay, let me rush through this because we are almost out of time. And the Zimbabwe in me, in me was uh, almost taking over. And I was going to be keeping you in here until <laughs> dinner time. When are we our best and complete selves? When we revert to who we were at creation. We're made in his image, empowered, and blessed. Look at what Galatians 1:27 through 28 says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God blessed them. If in your social territory you believe you were cursed, I have a message for you this morning. 
God created you and blessed you. Amen. He blessed you. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But how do we revert? Because we know we sinned. Well, thank God. We revert to that state, that the essence of who we are, of who God wants us to be, when we are redeemed, reconciled, and renewed. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. How do we revert? When we are rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith. What does Colossians 2, 6 through 7 say? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. How else do we revert? When Acts 17, 28 and Philippians 1, 21 become real in our lives. What do these two scriptures say? For in him, in him, inside of him, right? We live. That should be our story. We live in Christ. And move. That's our experience. In him. And have our being, that's our identity. We are defined by being in Christ, not in our social territory. In him we live and move and have our being. As also certain of your own poets have said, for we are also of his offspring. And here, you know what, you know, Paul is kind of saying, yeah, for, for some of you guys it's just poetry. This needs to be real, not just poetry. Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We just hear this scripture usually at funerals. We should hear this scripture not just at funerals, we should hear it right now. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We are our best and complete selves when we, by believing in Christ, are made right with God. So look at what it says in Galatians 3.24. So the law was put in charge of us until Christ came. So Paul, this is why Paul says you are not under the law. It was put in charge of us until Christ came. He came so that we might be made right with God by believing in Christ. So we are made right because God fulfilled his promise. Our identity, position, and the finished work of the cross empower us to break free from the small stories which diminish us. Galatians 3, 27 to 28. For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let me conclude with these thoughts. Jesus not only paid it all, but paid it all for all. 
Amen. Amen. Jesus not only paid it all, but paid it all for all. When we live in the freedom of God's grace, we must extend it to others, allowing them to be part of the bigger story. Uh, look at what happens in Galatians 2.14. Uh, this is now Paul rebuking Peter. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish custom? So he is a Jew. He has been freed. He's living in the freedom of God's grace, but he expects the Gentiles to live like Jews. Because that's kind of like what people want. You know, now that I've gotten my freedom, you can also exercise the same freedom that I exercise. But God wants us all to be free. He paid it all for all. So, Paul rebukes him. He paid it all so we could all be empowered to break the usurious, or usurious, whichever way you pronounce this, contract with the evil one. The devil is the ultimate loan shark. He wants you to pay with everything. But his interest rates are really high in the form of guilt, shame, condemnation, even our very lives. That's too high a price for us to pay. But thank God for John 10.10 in closing. The first part of John 10.10 is kind of scary, right? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but that's not all. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. All right, let's stand and let me conclude with this and pray for you. It's very, very hard to confront the things that we have to confront in life if we are not complete. It's very hard if we don't understand that God is who he says he is and also know what he has made us. Very hard. It's very hard for you to fight sin using your ethnicity. It's very hard. But if you are free... In the freedom of God's grace. And you know that you are in him. You are made in him. And in him you live and move and have your being. This is your essence. You can confront anything. You can confront anything. In him means he is outside you. And if anything wants to attack you, it has to go through him first. That's what happens when we're not under the law and we're in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the seeds that you planted this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the power to escape our territorial boundaries and become who you want us to be. As we face the enemy who is not intimidated by the boundaries that we set, the one who prowls like, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Lord, as we go through life with all these challenges that we face and everything, thank God that we're not under the law. Thank God that we are in the Lord of the Sabbath. We are in him. Thank God that when this enemy comes, 
to try and discourage us, discourage us, he has to go through Jesus. And Father God, when he tries to do that, he will find our defenses impenetrable. I pray that this may be a real and living word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.